I recently learned something quite interesting about video games. Many young people have developed incredible hand, eye, and brain coordination in playing these games. The Air Force believes these kids will be our outstanding pilots should they fly our jets. A quotation from former President Ronald Reagan. To find out how video games affect the developing brain, stay tuned to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. David Walsh. Dr. Walsh is a licensed psychologist and president of the National Institute on Media and the Family, located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He is a leading authority on family life, parenting, and the impact of media on children. He is on the faculty of the University of Minnesota, the author of several books, and is the spokesperson for the American Medical Association's Media Violence Campaign. Hi, Dr. Walsh, and thank you for joining me at the Clinician's Roundtable. Thanks for having me. So can playing a childhood game really affect the developing brain? How is this possible? Probably. We should probably answer that question in the context of some of the uh, fascinating things we're learning about the developing brain. One of the basic principles of brain development is that the brain cells or the neurons that fire together wire together. You know, a baby comes into the world with a brain that uh, has about 100 billion neurons. Each one of those 100 billion neurons has about 10,000 branches or dendrites at the end, meaning that the possible number of connecting points is about one quadrillion connections. But the latest brain research shows that only 17% of those brain cells are wired together at birth. And so what that means is that the vast majority of the other 83% will be wired together. What follows in the, the days, the weeks, the months, the years, and now we even know the decades that follow, those billions and billions of brain cells wired together. Now, you know, all of your listeners know that one of the drivers of that wiring is genetics. I like to think about that as the hard wiring. But in addition to the hard wiring, we have the soft wiring, the experiences that we have. You know, if you think of language acquisition, for example, everybody knows that we don't need to teach babies how to make noise. Babies arrive in the world genetically endowed, hardwired, so to speak, with the ability to make noise, to vocalize. However, which of the 6,500 languages of the world that baby will end up speaking is not hardwired? That's the soft wiring shaped by the experiences that that child will have. So experience is a key driver of how the brain gets wired. And that's what's the background of that uh, kind of neuroscientist jargon, the neurons that fire together, wire together. The more they fire together, the stronger the connection becomes. Now, are there different ages at which different areas of the brain, say, fully develop, be it sensory motor? And how does that play into... Uh, absolutely correct, is that... Uh, these billions of neurons that we've been kind of talking about, they are wired together into circuits, and no one knows yet how many circuits we have. So we have circuits uh, in the brain that regulate body temperature and heart rate. We have other circuits that help us play video games. We have other circuits that enable us to figure out our algebra problems. No one knows how many circuits we have. We do know, however, that these circuits don't all develop at the same time or at the same pace. They develop in spurts. So while some of the brain circuits are in high growth mode, other circuits are a little bit less active. And what happens when it's time for a growth spurt is that those dendrites, the branches at the end of the brain cell, they grow like crazy. That process is called blossoming. And then experience goes to work. The ones that fire get wired into networks. The ones that don't fire eventually shrivel up and die. And that shriveling up is called pruning. 
So the growth spurt in the brain is this process of blossoming and then pruning back, blossoming and pruning. But what's important to remember about that is the answer to the question, what's doing the pruning? And of course, the answer is experience. And so that means experiences that we have during these growth spurts have a greater impact than at any other time during our life. And so that's why, for example, that's why a practicing pediatrician will pay attention to chronic ear infections uh, in, a, in, a, in a preschool child, not just because of the pain and discomfort that they cause, but also a chronic ear infections can literally influence the sound inputs into the brain during that growth spurt for the auditory cortex. If I'm hearing sounds through fluid, then that can lead to a speech impediment later on. You mentioned the audio component. When one is doing video games, there's a lot of sound associated with it, and people have sound blaster and all these things. If you watch a video game or watch a video game with the sound, is one more, to use uh, the quote-unquote term addicting, is one, does one pull you in more by having the sound, multimedia? The greater the experience, then the more we get drawn in. And so when it's the visual combined with the audio, combined with the tactile, which is where a lot of these games are going. You know, the the new Nintendo uh, console, the Wii console, one of the big advances there is that the device itself that controls the game, the game controller, is not on a mouse pad. It's literally something that I'm holding in my hand. And so when I'm playing a baseball game, I'm swinging the bat. And so as you combine all of those sensory inputs, then you're activating more areas of the brain simultaneously, which, of course, is going to make the whole experience more engaging. That's why the ultimate goal of video gamers is to create a virtual world. And uh, we're not there yet, but every generation of the technology kind of gets us a step closer. I understand people are now starting to do some functional MRI studies, PET scans, SPECT scans. What are we learning from that? Well, some of the early research in brain-based video game research is actually on violent video games. Uh, as you know, one of the controversial issues around video games is so many of them feature violence as a theme, and so there's been a growing concern for the last 15, 20 years about, well, what is the impact of this uh, of video game violence on kids during their growing up years. And the early studies uh, have been mostly psychological in nature or survey research. And we know uh, from some of that research that kids who play a lot of violent video games tend to be more aggressive in real life. Well, the latest frontier in that research is brain-based research. And so uh, researchers at the Indiana University Medical School, researchers at Michigan State, some researchers in Japan uh, have been actually scanning the brains of kids as they play violent video games. And what they're finding is very consistent with what some of the psychological research would say. So we're kind of looking now through the brain research window at the same phenomenon, and we're seeing very, very corroborating evidence. And what I mean by that is that what they're finding is that kids who play violent video games, when they play violent video games, the brain's supervisor, now that's the prefrontal cortex, that's my nickname for the, for the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain right behind the forehead. And that's where we think ahead, consider consequences, and very importantly, that's also the part of the brain that helps us manage emotional impulses and urges. What they found is that that part of the brain, the supervisor, so to, so to speak, becomes less active. It deactivates. And so the executive center of the brain, the decision part of the brain, gets less active, 
and the anger center of the brain, the amygdala, gets more active. If that carries over into real life, that would be a recipe for aggressive behavior. So I feel angry, and I don't have the impulse control, so I'm more likely to throw that punch or, or push that kid next to me. So now we, we, we piece together a couple of kinds of research. We know from some of the brain-based research that a brain pattern for aggression is activated. And then from some of the psychological research, we see that a lot of those kids out in the real world act more aggressively. As a psychologist, and you mentioned this a couple of times about the psychological correlation with the functional studies, if one did a Minnesota, since you're from Minnesota, Minnesota multiphasic personality index, or are there other tests where you could sort of hand it out and test people and say, this one's a gamer, this one's a gamer, this one's not a gamer? That's a, that's a really interesting question. It's the first time anyone has ever asked me that question. It's fascinating. It would be very, very interesting to do an MMPI study on a group of very, very ardent gamers. And my hypothesis would be, <laughs> we'll see if this would happen, but my hypothesis would be that it would be a high, what they call the high four scale, which is kind of the uh, impulsive, risk-taking, thrill-seeking kind of scale on the MMPI. Sounds a lot like child with an attention deficit disorder. Well, other completely independent research has shown that a lot of kids, particularly early in life with a heavy media diet, uh, tend to have more, uh, you know, attention problems later on. And based on the old principle of the neurons that fire together, wire together, that makes a little bit of sense. Talking about wiring of the nervous system again, does the age when the child is first introduced to the video games make a difference in terms of behavior, emotion, cognitive effects? I think it does, but now I think, uh, Dr. Bill, we're probably talking theoretical because I don't think we are sophisticated as extensive or sophisticated enough to be able to really demonstrate those differences. But I think if you, put, if you connect the dots between what we know about brain development and then the impact of experience, I think the answer to your question would be yes. So, for example, you know, it's just been within the last couple of years that we have realized that the development of the brain does not stop before puberty. Uh, The latest brain research shows that even though the teenage brain doesn't increase in mass, it's a series of major construction zones. And as we uh, visit those construction zones, we find that impulse control, the prefrontal cortex, is a major construction zone. And so what the teenage brain is doing is wiring together those circuits that are going to help them manage impulses uh, effectively. Well, if I'm spending a lot of hours during that growth spurt playing a game where impulse control parts of the brain are deactivated, then it wouldn't be real surprising to find out that that has an impact. And one of the big problems with the video games is there's a failure to punish. People get blown up, and but yep. nothing happens to the yep. person who's doing the violent act. Good point. Have you ever put anybody in front of, say, a violent video game, but each time they make a violent selection, they get a little you know, zap or zilch and, you know, kind of like giving them the negative feedback and saying, oh, you know, there's a punishment here. I don't know that anyone's ever done that. Now, the, the, the one thing that might come close to that is that there is a game, it, it's a little bit controversial, but there's a game called America's Army, and the U.S. Army uses it as a recruiting technique. It's a video game that they hand out, they give out free to high school kids, and it's to get them involved in the, uh, uh, it's to get them attracted to, uh, re- you know, enlisting in the Army. One of the features of that game is that if you engage in unsanctioned violence, in other words, if, if you aren't given an order, 
by your commanding officer. If you don't follow the rules of engagement, then you're penalized in the game. Whereas in a lot of you know, just commercial games, you get rewarded for violence. In this particular game, America's Army, you get punished, not with an electrical shock, as you're suggesting, but you get punished by, you know, you get penalized in the game if you engage in unsanctioned violence. Maybe some of our national leaders should have played this game before they got us in our current sticky wicket in the Middle East. Our time has flown by once again, and I want to thank very much Dr. David Walsh, who has been my guest today. We have been discussing video games and their effect on the developing brain. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Please send your questions and comments by email to xm at reachmd.com or visit us at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. I wish you good day and good health.